What's up, everybody? And welcome to this week's edition of Da Vinci Cases. So this week we're going to be going over two cases that involve injuries to the brachial plexus. So we'll be going over their presentation and then using the relevant anatomy to help localize the lesion. So we're going to go through a series of cases here. They have a kind of board style or anatomy exam style question to go with it. We're not going to answer the question right away. We're going to first kind of dive into the anatomy and the concepts and what you should really be picking up from these uh, question stems. Then we'll use the anatomy to kind of work through the answer, the answer choices and then come back and, and definitively answer the question. So let's start us out here. So we got a college student. He's having a good time on his roof when he suddenly slips and falls off. So he grabs a tree branch on his way down. He's trying to stop his fall. But eventually he loses grip of that tree branch and he falls all the way down to the ground. In the ER, he presents with a total hand claw, which you can see here, and weak wrist flexion. And this is very common on these, you know, either an anatomy exam or a board question. They'll give you a picture of some kind of presentation like this. His, on exam, the movement of his shoulder is completely normal. So really, with any of these, not only you certainly want to look at the deficits, the motor and the sensory deficits, but also normal movements can tell you a lot as well, and you'll see why in a little bit here. So they're asking which of the following neurological structures are injured. So they're already jumping to telling you that it's a neurological injury, which is likely given that he's a young guy, the nature of this is a pretty serious trauma, falling off a roof, you know, grabbing a tree branch and hanging from that and then eventually falling. And then he presents with this very disfigured hand as a result that he normally didn't have. So let's talk through the anatomy. So let's look at this total claw hand deficit. So you guys should be good at this by now. We just went through that whole lecture on different uh, the different claws of the hand. So let's look at this MCP joint. Is it flexed or extended? So here's your MCPs right here. So what do you guys think? Is it extended or flexed? That's right, it's extended. So it's extended out like this. You can see where they're extended. PIP joint, so that's these guys right here. So you wanna look at the PIP joint. Are these flexed or extended? These are flexed, DIP joint, so the distal. So are these flexed or extended? And you want to be thinking about that because any of these claw hands, you want to be, it's what each of these joints are doing is what can really tell you what muscles are out, and then you can figure out which nerves. So the DIP joint is flexed as well. And so if you look at, you know, this, this model here, this is, this is very similar position to what we have here. So you have your, MC, your MCP joint here, PIP joint here, and then your DIP joint here, what you're looking for is a muscle that can flex here and then help extend out here because you're not able, you know, they're not able to extend because they have their fingers flexed like this and then they're not able to flex the MCP joint because their fingers are extended out like this at that joint. And so what's responsible for the, all three of those motions in one muscle is the lumbricals or, groups of or a group of muscles, the lumbrical muscles, and they flex the MCP joint and they extend the PIP. So what's their innervation, just to review. First and second, so here's your first and second right here. These guys are the median nerve, and then you have your fourth and your third here, and these guys are the ulnar nerve. So what's interesting here is if you remember when those, yeah, you know, median claw or ulna claw, I, it doesn't look like it's either one of those because you have all four fingers are affected. So it's likely, so what's that, what's that leading us towards is that it's likely that both of these nerves are involved in this injury. So the patient also presented with weak wrist flexion. So we want to think about which nerves are responsible for innervating muscles that, that flex the wrist. Now, which muscles flex the wrist? It'd be the flexor compartment, 
of the forearm, right? And so the two nerves that are most responsible for that are the median nerve does the majority of it, and then the ulnar does flexor carpi ulnaris, which helps contribute. So really, it's mainly median nerve. You could say ulnar nerve is a little bit providing a little bit of help there as well. So again, we're looking at median and ulnar nerves. You know, that was responsible for our lumbricals. It's also responsible here for our wrist flexion. So we're starting to see a picture here that we're as we're moving up the upper extremity, we're moving from distal to more proximal on the presentation. We're seeing that it's a, a continuing theme that median and ulnar nerve are involved. Moving more proximal, now we go up to the shoulder joint. So there's normal movement there. So what does that tell us? So let's think about some of the motions of the shoulder joint. So you have abduction, which would be supraspinatus and deltoid. So suprascapular nerve does supraspinatus, which helps with abduction. It also does infraspinatus, which is external rotation, which is another movement of the shoulder that would be normal. So it looks like suprascapular nerves intact. Axillary nerves does deltoid, which does abduction up to 90 degrees. So it looks like the axillary nerve is intact, so this region in here and here. The other thing is you have flexion of the shoulder joint, which has some contribution from musculocutaneous nerve innervating coracobrachialis and the, bi and the biceps muscle as well. So it's likely that these three nerves are intact. So the normal movement of the shoulder, it says suprascapular, musculocutaneous, and axillary nerve are most likely intact. These are, you know, as you can see, more so in the superior aspect as well. Another thing, you're probably, the other major nerve we want to talk about is the radial nerve. So with the radial nerve, you'd be looking at elbow extension or wrist extension, and there's no indication that he has significant weakness of that as well. So it's likely that the radial nerve is at least somewhat intact. So let's summarize here all the findings. So the summary here, we have this claw hand. Lumbricals are de-innervated, all four of them. So we have median nerve, ulnar nerve. We have weak wrist flexion. So again, median nerve and ulnar nerve. And then we have know that these nerves in the more superior aspect here are all normal. So what we're looking at is, is major nerves affected in median nerve, ulnar nerve. So where is the lesion? So given that these are normal and then these are all responsible for shoulder motion, it's not likely that it's a superior trunk or a lateral cord injury it's probably going to be more inferior because it's the, the major nerves involved are these median and ulnar nerves here. So if we trace these back here, you know, median has one or, has two origins essentially up here on the lateral cord and the medial cord. Lateral cord looks like it's okay. I mean, you have musculocutaneous is okay, suprascapular up here. So, you know, if you're going to go more proximal to the lateral cord, it looks like it's okay up here. So then, medial, so then you go down the medial cord. Well, medial cord can contributes to ulnar nerve as well. And so we're having major deficits with the ulnar nerve. So you go all the way back up here. So it's likely that it's an inferior trunk lesion right here, because you can see here, it's the root of the ulnar nerve here. Median nerve derives input as well. So this would be again, Klumpke's palsy. And we talked about this again in, in the claw hand lecture, just to kind of present it to you in a case format. So that's your Klumpke's palsy, CAT1 nerve roots. So follow-up question, so someone could say, well, how do you know this lesion is not at the wrist? So, you know, you could have someone where they totally transect the wrist and they cut the median and ulnar nerve and gives you, you know, weakness of the lumbricals and, you know, these hand deformities. And so how do you know it's not there? And the, the reason you know that is that flexion at the wrist would be intact. So if you cut here, so if you cut where, you know, the ulnar nerve is traveling in here and you cut the median nerve here, if you cut these nerves, sure, you'd have denervation to the lumbrical muscles and you know the thenar eminence and you, the hypothenar eminence and the inner osseae muscles but the thing is is you'd still have wrist flexion because all the muscles that are innervated by median and ulnar nerve in the forearm that do 
wrist flexion, they would have already received their innervation. By the time you get down to the wrist, they've already received their innervation, and so they can, these muscles can carry out wrist flexion. So back to the question, which of the following neurological structures are injured? So we determine that axillary nerve is intact, radial nerve is intact, because shoulder motion is normal, elbow extension is normal, wrist extension is normal. Superior trunk of the brachial plexus, since we determined that suprascapular nerve, musculocutaneous nerve, and axillary nerve are all intact, that it is likely not a superior trunk injury. Middle trunk doesn't really correspond with, with, the, with the presentation, and we more so limited it down to an ear inferior trunk of the brachial plexus injury because of you had that significant ulnar nerve. The ulnar nerve doesn't have any origin in the middle trunk, and so that would, would point you to, more towards an inferior trunk injury. And then you have the long thoracic nerve, which does serratus anterior, which would give you, you know, weak overhead motion or inability to do overhead motion. And they don't, we don't describe any of that in the presentation. So your answer is inferior trunk of the brachial plexus, which is Klumpke's palsy. Or Klumpke, and this is your Klumpke's claw. All right, so in case two here, we're talking about a different college student who's also having a great time at a house down the street from the student in case one. So I must be really jumping on, on campus on this uh, weekend night because we got a couple guys having a great time, but unfortunately it seems like people are getting hurt. So this college student we're talking about in case two here, he sits down in a chair and passes out. So he wakes up in the middle of the night, probably 4 or 5 a.m., something like that, and he feels like his right hand is numb and he has trouble moving it. So he goes to the ER, he gets checked out, and his physical exam reveals numbness over the dorsal aspect of the hand on the lateral side. The resting position of the wrist is shown here below in this picture, and he has zero out of five for the following motions in the right upper extremity. He has zero out of five elbow extension, zero out of five wrist extension, and then zero out of five finger extension. His left upper extremity strength, though, is five out of five throughout. So the question here is, is this patient has an injury at which of the following locations? So it's really a two-step question. You gotta think about which nerve it is, because as you can see here, there's multiple choices with the same nerve. So you got to think about the nerve, or if it's the inferior trunk of the brachial plexus, we'll talk about that. So it's either, so you got not only got to think about locate the nerve or the nervous structure, but where, where's the location of the lesion as well. So before we get to the question, let's break this down. So what muscle groups are essentially denervated? So again, he has zero out of five for these motions, right upper extremity, elbow extension, wrist extension, and finger extension. So we want to talk about what muscles do those, right? So you have the triceps, which do elbow extension, right? And then you have wrist and finger extension. These are both the extensor compartment of the forearm. So that's these two motions right here. So you want to think about what's the innervation of the, of the triceps muscle, which is the only muscle that carries out elbow extension, essentially, and then the extensor compartment of the forearm. And in both cases, that's the radial nerve. The radial nerve innervates through the triceps muscle, and then the radial nerve goes on to innervate the extensor compartment of the forearm. So the radial nerve is responsible for all three of these motions. So at this point, I think it's pretty clear that it's a radial nerve. So we really want to talk about where's the lesion. So let's talk about the anatomy here. All right, so with nerve lesions, again, we've talked about this, is you want to think about the more problems the patient is presenting with or the more deficits the more likely that the lesion is more proximal than versus distal. So a lesion up here in the shoulder and arm and a nerve is going to affect everything downstream of it versus if you cut the nerve at the wrist. Same thing, you know, if you think about it, if someone has a stroke, they can have the entire, you know, right or left side of their body is affected 
versus if you were to you know cut a nerve in their hand you know they're only gonna have a deficit in their hand versus if they had a stroke in their brain that controls an entire half of their body so you, so you get my point it's it, you know the more proximal the lesion the more deficits they're likely to have so we have these elbow extenders extensor compartment of the forearm both with radial nerve so let's talk about where radial nerve is. So you have posterior cord of the brachial plexus here. It splits into the axillary nerve, which goes on to do deltoid and teres minor. And then you have the radial nerve here, which is this bigger nerve here, which, you know, when you're in the lab, you can usually easily identify this because it's the bigger nerve of the two. So it splits off there. And so here's the axillary nerve traveling here, and then here's the radial and here's the course of the radial through the entire upper extremity. So the radial nerve essentially emerges out, but then it hits this radial groove and then it goes down and crosses over the elbow and into the forearm. And so what you want to think about here is what, what lesion is going to give you not only uh, what this is called is wrist drop. So essentially it's called wrist, wrist drop because their wrist just hangs here and they can't, you know, extend it up. That's gone. But then they also have finger, loss of finger extension as well. And then in this case, we also have elbow extension. So if you remember, like in, in, when we talked about mid-shaft humerus fractures, those patients, they still had elbow extension because the radial nerve had already innervated triceps. So that, so the lesion is at least proximal to the mid-shaft, the level of the mid-shaft humerus. And so it's going to probably be up in this region. So based on that, that, this patient probably has what's called Saturday night palsy. Now there's three different ways to describe this, and it's the same, it's the same ner nerve injury in all three of these. Um, but it's just different causes of the same injury. So the other cause is honeymoon, honeymooner palsy. And so that's where two lovers are asleep together and one has their arm draped over the other. So it's the same thing. So instead of the arm draped over a chair, it's draped over someone else's body. And then you have crutches, palsy, where someone's injured and they're using their crutches and they're constantly you know, having pressure in the axillary region here. And so all three of these, they're, they're three different causes of the same nerve injury, like I've said, and they all involve compression of the proximal radial nerve. And they occur when an arm hangs over an object that presses on the axilla. So whether that's uh, you know, the back of a chair, crutches, someone else's body, it's all the same thing. So you have the radial nerve here and it comes in the axillary region just before it's going to enter into the humerus and then go down and travel in the radial groove here. So it's traveling in here and then you have compression in here that presses on the nerve. And so since you've pressed on the nerve so proximally here, you're going to catch it before it gives off fibers to the triceps. So that's why you lose a triceps or elbow extension. So the, the, the lesion again is so proximal that you're hitting really all the major motor functions of the radial nerve in the upper extremity. So back to the case here. So we know he has Saturday night palsy. Okay. So we know it's a radial, which is a radial nerve. And this is a wrist drop again. So they're asking you, the patient has an injury at which of the following? So we know it's a radial nerve injury, right? So it's not an ulnar nerve injury. Because ulnar nerve would also be, it, it wouldn't give you wrist drop, right? It would, it's more intrinsic hand muscles like your third and fourth lumbricals, the control of flexion at your fourth and fifth fingers, the dorsal and palmar interosseous muscles. So it'd be those, more so those muscles, plus the sensory distribution is different. So dorsal aspect of the lateral aspect of the hand is really this aspect right here, which is we know radial nerve. Ulnar nerve is the, more, is the medial aspect of the hand. So it's not ulnar nerve. Median nerve, just distal of the elbow. 
So median nerve controls a lot of the flexion of the fingers. So really the opposite, you know, here you've lost extension. So the median nerve is what allows for flexion and we're not, t there's no indication that they have loss of flexion of the, of the fingers or the thumb. So the median nerve, regardless of it's at the elbow or at the wrist, you're going to lose more so at the, if it's just below the elbow, you would lose all those flexion median nerve at the wrist. You would probably lose more so thumb flexion, which this patient, you know, ha we haven't mentioned that it has any of those deficits. Plus the nerve, the sensory distribution is different as well. It's going to be on the palmar aspect of the lateral side. So it's not likely a median nerve injury and then inferior trunk of the brachial plexus. That's the same as injury as we talked about in case one. That's Klumpke's palsy, so it's going to give you Klumpke claw. So this isn't a Klumpke claw, so this isn't uh, the answer either. So now we know it's the radial nerve, so we're, now we've got to decide, is it the axillary region or is it just distal to the elbow? Now again, if it's just distal to the elbow, you've, you're long past where it's given off the fibers innervating the triceps, and so they if, if this was the answer, they would have intact elbow extension, but they do not. And so since they have their loss of elbow extension, this can't be the answer either. So it's got to be radial nerve in the axillary region, which corresponds with Saturday night palsy. So again, patient has radial nerve injury, Saturday night palsy, because he passed out with his arm hanging over the back of a chair, results in compression of the radial nerve in the axillary region. So he loses all three elbow extension, wrist extension, and finger extension in the upper extremity. All right, that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you check back every Wednesday for new Da Vinci cases. And then to see the corresponding video for this audio, check out our website at dviacademy.com, where you can also find PDF notes for this audio as well. Also on our site, you can find our book and video packages for anatomy and biochemistry. You can also follow us on Instagram for weekly posts and video. And then lastly, if you have any questions about the content of this video or about Da Vinci Academy, put them in the comments and our team will be sure to answer them. All right, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.